Welcome to Uncorked, another episode brought to you by Team Corker. I'm Steph Corker with my very sweet friend, Scott Hawthorne, here in Vancouver, British Columbia. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Hi, Steph. Good to be here. Oh, Scott. So just before I hit record, I said, how was your morning? And you started to go on about your, your wonderful morning that is so, it's, I'm so inspired by it because it's the complete opposite of how I spend my morning. And then I cut you off mid-sentence and said, no, 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 we need to get this on recording. So let's just start right there. What did you get up to this morning, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I actually love spring and summertime because I actually get up at a much earlier hour than I normally do. Hmm. Uh, and I woke up this morning and I was feeling, what was I feeling? A little, um, like I needed some reflection. So I, I took my journal and went down to the coffee shop, the birds and the beats. And I sat there and... Um, um, open my journal, which isn't something I've done. I've done it in, historically in my life and I get into it for a week, a few weeks or a month, and then I kind of forget about it for a while. Mm. So a few years ago, I uh, was inspired by somebody else who did it every day and decided that um, I might like to do that. And I start off, I decided I would start off and I go through gaps where I haven't, I actually haven't done it in a few months. So today mm. was I'm in a while and I felt the need to kind of, um, get out of my head, so to speak. Right. And, uh, so I start every journal off entry off by. Yes. Like I feel blank. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't tell you before we started that. So yeah, it's, it's my attempt to, um, to be more cognizant of where, of, of what I'm, that I am feeling something and what I'm feeling. I can't get enough of you and your feelings. Every time I think of feelings, and not just your feelings, of course, but mm. your appreciation, rather, of human feelings and mm. of what we are feeling and our awareness of feelings. And uh, you mentioned that you don't do this or you haven't been doing it every morning. Are you a creature of habit? Are there many things that you feel inspired to do every day? Um, I have never really had... Um, like a daily practice, mm. but I felt in the last um, few months that there's things that I hadn't been doing that I would, um, my life is, my, my head is lighter when I do these things and stuff like that. And I get in the habit of like, hey, I'll go spin a couple of days a week. And I was struggling with that and something would happen and break my cycle and da da da. And I was talking to my friend Mark and he said, I said, what, just spin 10 minutes every day. Just get up in the morning and that'll be just, can you do 10 minutes? Yeah. So I started doing 10 minutes like a month ago and yeah. some days I wake up and I don't feel like doing it, but it's only 10 minutes. So I get yeah. up and put some vinyl on and have my station. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, uh, I usually spin for 10 minutes and it just kind of gets me going. So I'm trying to make that part of my daily practice. And today I went for 15 minutes. And I didn't even realize it. So amazing. But I, know, but I know when I do that, then my, um, my mind and my body starts today in a better place. Yes. And um, I figure I can do 10 minutes. And just doing 10 minutes is really, feels great. Great. Accomplishable. Awesome. So, yeah, right. so that's one. And then I periodically drift in and out of feeling the need to write in a journal. And I felt the need this morning. So. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, you have, I mean, I'm, I'm really honored that I get to call you a friend. Yet you have some other really interesting titles uh, due to 
really special work that you have contributed to our city here in Vancouver. And I think that the red thread of Scott Hawthorne's contribution is uh, an, an interesting, exciting, rewarding tale for us. And yet you, <laughs> being the, the founder and the man, um, or co-founder, and man on the line, I'm sure have had a different experience. So um, for those of you who don't know, Scott co-founded SALT, is that right? Yeah, that's right, SALT Tasting Room, yeah. In, I mean, arguably one of the gnarliest geographic locations in Vancouver, the Lower East Side. It, it is a dressed blood alley, and when those doors opened, it could not have been more appropriately coined blood alley. Uh, what inspired that? Well, uh, when I came back from Asia, I bought the building that Salt's in now, and I was working on the plans for it, and I thought, and I had been to Barcelona previously, and I thought, oh, well, we should have like an amazing like little wine bar, like a back alley wine bar. So when I was working on the plans for the building with the architect, I said, put something in the back alley, and they said, oh, they won't let you do that. I'm like, we know that, or you're just assuming that? And they said, oh, I don't think they'll allow us. And I said, well, why don't we drop the plans and submit it and then see what they say? So <laughs> that's what we did. And then I, we submitted it one day. And then we, I got a call back from the architect the next day. And he said, they want to know what address you want for the back alley. And I said, well, there we go. We're going to have a space back there. Amazing. So we started with the intention of having a space. And then by spending more time in the area and as the building got finished um, and having come back from that trip to Barcelona, was like maybe a wine bar and then I decided I, I got to know somebody in the area that Sean Heather that was a restaurateur and I said hey what if this should be back here and we went through a conversation and decided to open it but you know it was I didn't know this at the time but when we decided to open it and we had all the construction workers were doing the build out they showed up every day and talked amongst themselves like well this is crazy no one's going to come back here there's heroin needles all over the back alley like this is ridiculous no yeah no one's going to come in for a wine bar in the back alley of the, the you know, the poorest postal code in Canada. Um, and we opened and it became, I think part of it was, it was out of context. It, it's somewhere that it's not supposed to be in the right. eyes of many people. And then once it, <laughs> once it got off to a good start and made a, made, made a con cultural contribution to the city, those same construction workers would come back with their partners and boast about how they built it. Wow. Of course. So, the, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, there's a willingness to do something that hasn't been done before that, that has worked in other cities and you never know if it's going to work and stuff like that. But yeah. I just felt that it was something that I wanted to try and, and we gave it a go and it's been open for, I don't know, 12 years now or something like that. It's amazing. It's, you also have mentioned something really cool that Salt created the possibility for other restaurants in the area because granted now there's brick and mortar retail, yet before yeah. that, uh, before the the retail shops, once Salt sort of made its stake, then then other doors were opening up as well. And I think a that's amazing, and Vancouver's lucky. Uh, but the other side of that, b like, how did you stay the course? How did you? I, I mean, like, ultimately, how did you have the courage to say, "Let's keep building. Let's do this," among heroin needles and the less fortunate. Um. Well, that, that happens in other cities, that you'll go into different neighborhoods that have a, a, a complexity to them, 
and a variety of, of people walking the streets. But just for context, have you built yeah. restaurants in other cities in the world in similar no. climates? No. Okay. No. Okay. So, no. so that's not a fair response. Yes, of course, other cities do it, but, but you yeah. did it. Yeah, the, I mean, it's a good question. I, I tend to be attracted to things that haven't been done before, mm. I guess. That's part of the attraction. I mean, we started a shoe company when we never made shoes before. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, like, I mean, people look at what I, what uh, the activities I've been involved in the past are involved now, and some people don't see a common thread through them. When I was, you know, at a university, I, th I thought an interesting life would be something where you do something for five or 10 years, and you get to experience something else, and, you know, then you do something else, and that's kind of the way it's played out for me. I was fortunate enough to have left Vancouver then my first career was in Tokyo for 10 years invested banking and I was able to, I left here with a couple of grand in my pocket and then was able to um, found myself in something that I found really interesting to kind of figure out what was going on in that world and it was challenging and I did that for 10 years and then kind of decided oh, well, I've, you know, I've learned as much as I want to learn here let's go do something else and I left that with a little bit of a savings that allowed me to then um, have a little bit of control over where, where I chose to go to next. Yeah. So, okay, but what I care about... I would say curiosity and possibility would be big drivers for me. And do you ever find that like curiosity and possibility have to trump the fear of it not working? Or like what I want to know is how do you withstand the naysayers and it's not just like the naysayers that don't believe in a dream. It's like mm -hmm. the government that wants to shut you down. The, you know, the construction workers that might not want to show up to work. How are you inspiring them to get there every day and stay the course? <sighs> well, I, I don't know that my role is to, to lead with an expectation to inspire other people. I think that I know that I'm in my best place when I'm curious, when I lead with possibility and I think about... God, wouldn't this be an amazing thing to do? Or wouldn't this be an interesting path to go down? So if when I am not feeling inspired or not in my best, I, you know, I have, an, I have a, a file on my computer that's visual imagery of, of spaces, places, or people that I, I click through that and it, it, it gets me into a, much, into a place of possibility and curiosity. I think it's actually, like fear is an interesting one because people look at failing what is failing it's just an opportunity to learn something right hmm. so it's, it's your perception of what is it that who do you think you become when something doesn't go the way you think it's going to go that's right. a story that's just a story that you put onto that right that's nothing absolutely has nothing to do with anybody else that's your own creation right totally so. totally uh okay so beyond salt you have yeah. gone on and i mean you've done many interesting things and Frankly, I hope we have time to talk about um, your some of your personal hobbies. Yet, currently, you are the co-founder and CEO of Native Shoes, and yes. you are a part of a shoe brand we love dearly. You are doing things differently, and you are now beast-free in production, and that's very exciting. Um, it's exciting to know that brands can contribute to beast-free living beyond just what we consume, um, that it's possible to have shoes that are stylish and functional and fun and mm. beast free. Um, you're doing this for kids and for adults alike. You're working on fun collaborations 
and you've recently opened your first brick and mortar. Who would have thought? <laughs> not me, not my dad. <laughs> not my dad. File that one under, not my dad. Uh, so, I mean, we obviously know current state or we can experience current state, native.com, native offline. What's yeah. your vision of native? Where, where is that going? And what, what has brought you back to be more involved in the day-to-day of this business? Ooh, I've come in and out of the business a few times. I mm-hmm. was, I kind of, when we started in 2009, we were always bees free from the start. Oh. Yeah, we just, we didn't. You didn't talk um, about it? No, we didn't talk about it. It, it um, no, we didn't. Um, and I, I, I kind of joke that I chose it as something to invest in. And then when the company got financially in trouble in 2012, it chose me. Ah. And it became, you know, would I be willing to succumb to that experience that's being presented to me right now? Hmm. And it was twofold. It was one was, you know, you get, there were two things actually. One was there was in those really difficult times, uh, there were emails that would come in from info at native.com from customers that were like, I may love your stuff. I can't find it. Where is it? What's going on? So there was the, um, the possibility of continuing on with something that was, um, the people wanted. Yeah. And the other one was that I was in a, a space that was um, in conflict with uh, a couple of the original partners in it. And at that time, when I, <laughs> what is it, when it goes back to, you know, feeling, identifying feelings of what comes up in one, and I, it made me very uncomfortable. And I, as I reflected on that, when I look back as a wake up call now, when I reflect on that, the feelings I got were incredible and comfort and it was being in that position of conflict. Mm. And the way I view it is I view my upbringing childhood as, as, as an environment that avoided conflict, whether that was true or not, that was my story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I found myself in a place that was uncomfortable because of, I was in conflict. So I chose to come back into the business and to attempt to build it back up. And I viewed it as my classroom. Mm. for my own, it was my best teacher mm. to allow myself to be into that space and be aware of that conflict was something that I was uncomfortable with, but I wanted to work on that. Right. And, and grow as a person. So mm. those are the two factors that uh, I self identified with as reasons for coming back in the business and, and building it back to what it is today. It's so huge. I mean, you don't wish conflict, certainly like you went through or that we go through as humans um, on people. And yet the blessing on the other side is that it certainly teaches us a lot. And the challenge is not everybody can either get the lesson or get through the conflict. And uh, I think as entrepreneurs, you know, when you do something you love so dearly, it's different than you know, perhaps getting fired from a company. You're like, oh, I'm fired, I'm out. That's different. But ending, hmm. I mean, I just think the conflict is, um, there's less of a choice and it's easier to, uh, it's easier to lose the lesson, frankly, when it's not, when you're not as responsible in it. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you view this world as happening to you, <laughs> right then that puts you in a particular space if you look at this world as happening for you uh, you learn something yeah 
I mean, if you look at it that way, every day is your classroom, every moment of every day, right? The world is happening a, for a, you. A, yeah, the world's happening for you to see something and to learn something. And if you, if you, if you're, the filter you use to look at it is one of, this is happening to me, I'm the victim, then you'll probably get an opportunity to work on that same thing again. Like the universe will just amplify it bigger to you next time. Yeah. Like, okay, Scott, remember that, that place you were in conflict like 20 years ago? We just hit you with a magnitude five. Yeah, one more time. Yeah, you didn't really do anything with it. Yeah. We'll, give, we'll hit you up next year. We'll hit you with a 10. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to deal with that, right? Right. So eventually it's going to, it'll show up and hit you with a magnitude of 1,000. Gosh. Like, boom, there you go. Like, yeah. how, how bad does it get before you, you, want to, you want to look at it as your classroom? Yeah. So you speak about curiosity and possibility. You have started things and ended things and left things and stayed in Vancouver and left Vancouver. And naturally, as a corker who's obsessed with this idea of goals, Mm. It feels to me like you live such a beautiful, fluid life going where you feel called or inspired to go. And, and I'm curious if you have, I mean, do you look at any area of your life through the lens of something you'd like to, I don't want to say achieve. I mean, it doesn't even feel like the right word for you, Scott. Dare I say a goal? Are there any goals left unfulfilled in your world? That's a good question. I think when I was younger, the the idea of like having a five year plan and like I want to do this, accomplish this. Yeah. Was, and I've gone through stages where like I don't want to. I just want to be. I don't want to be tied to, you know, an external achievement or something like that. But we just we just we did a vision and goals workshop at the at the office. Yeah. A little while ago, and we're gonna those of us that choose to will start putting their own values, vision, and goals on the wall. Yeah. So I'm actually in the process of working on that right now. Hmm. And it's been interesting because I, I've, you know, I've historically I've said, um, yeah, if I were to um, have a bunch of money, I'd love to support arts and culture in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. But going through that exercise, it makes me go, okay, let's start with the 10 years. Like, what does that mean? Right. Like, how do you quantify that into something that is like a little bit more defined? Of course. So in my 10 years, I put to have this... I haven't put a number on it yet, but I'm in the in the process of it, and it'll be something like to have uh, a foundation that supports arts and culture in a meaningful way. Beautiful. And, and then that's the ten year. Then once you go into the five and the one year, it's like okay, how do I step into that now? What's something I can do now to see if like that's a path I want to go on? So I got asked to be on the board of Emily Carr University of Art Design a couple years ago. So I've been on that for a year and a half, and that's been really interesting to be to be in that space and. We obviously bring arts and culture and perspective into what we do at Native Shoes, and we have a yeah in here that we're trying to um, explore. Yeah, awesome. Uh, because you're so fun and full of feeling and thought, I have been trying this fun this or that exercise on. It has nothing to do with work, and it's just silly. Okay. But will you play the the silly game with me for sixty seconds? Sure. It's as many as you can answer in 60 seconds. So wow. if you... <laughs> what if I answer one, but I do it in a really qualitative way? No, I give you two options and you just get to tell me one or the other or be as creative as you'd like in response. Okay. Are you ready? Well, let's, let's go. Let's try it. Dog or cat? Dog. Netflix or YouTube? Uh, Netflix. Phone call or text? Phone call. 
Music or podcast? Oh, that's a good one. Um, uh, vinyl for music, podcast for the road. So a bit of both. Form or function? Uh, uh, form. Pop or indie? Yeah. Big party, small gathering? Small gathering. What's worse, laundry or dishes? Oh, uh, dishes. Yeah. Bath or shower? Uh, shower. Sneakers or sandals? Uh, sneakers or sandals? Uh, sandals. Money or free time? Free time. Coffee cup or thermos? What's a thermos? <laughs> train or plane? Uh, train. Iced coffee, hot coffee? Uh, hot coffee. That's Pencil. it. No. <laughs> You're fun. All right. Our last question that we wrap the podcast with, I wish I had more time because there's so, so much to learn from you. I might need part yeah. two with Scott Hawthorne. Yeah. Yet today, in this moment, after your journal, what is making your heart beat faster? Who? Um, well, at this time, I get really excited about... Get really excited right now at work about seeing young people in my office who it's their first career. Aww. Having some wins. Having some wins. Yeah, pretty cool. Young people winning. Yeah. We appreciate you, Scott. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't see Blood Alley the way we see Blood Alley. We wouldn't see awesome native shoes like we see native shoes. And I might not appreciate poetry in the same way. If it weren't for you. You should know that. Poetry is a beautiful thing. Poetry is a beautiful thing, and so are you, Scott Hawthorne. Thank you. Thank you, Steph.